Hello and welcome to the 108 podcast. I'm Amanda. And I'm Raquel. And we are the Type 1 Together Girls. We are stripping down life with type 1 diabetes from two people who live different versions of it every single day. Please remember, Type 1 Together does not give medical advice. We are only sharing from personal experience. And today, I am so, so excited to be welcoming Jules to the podcast. I know Jules because I actually started babysitting her like three years ago about now. And her mom found Type 1 Together, or maybe it was my personal page on Instagram right before I moved to LA. And we were just messaging and DMing about the most random diabetes things. Jules had just been diagnosed, I think, maybe just a month before that. And I was like, well, I'm actually going to be in LA soon. And so as soon as I got to LA, I met up with them pretty quickly and got to know her whole family. They're, they've been like my second family since moving to LA. They're all amazing. But Jules, especially like I've seen you just grow up and wow. So Jules, welcome to the show. Hi. Yay. We're so happy you're on. Thank we you are so excited. I'm so excited. So Jules, can you just tell everyone a little bit about yourself? Um, yeah, sure. My name's Jules. I've had type 1 diabetes for two and a half years. I'm 15 years old and yeah. Wow. Yay. And what pump are you on right now? We're going to go more into this later, but. Uh, I'm on Omnipod closed looped. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So for people who don't know what closed loop is, it is basically like you download your own software, right? And it talks to your Dexcom and it auto gives you like corrections and controls your basal, right? Yeah. It's basically like the T-SLIM algorithm, but like almost like created specifically for the person. Very cool. So it's a lot more customizable. You can actually like lower your target as much as you want. There's like really cool features on the app where you can like put in an emoji for certain types of food. So if you're having a high fat meal, you can press the pizza emoji and it knows to then calculate your basal rates for the coming few hours based on that. It's amazing, but it's not FDA approved yet, right? It's not, but they're working with the FDA. And it is FDA approved for tandem though, right? I thought there was some... I think it's technically you're hacking into the pumps like database. So... It's, I got mine from a company called T1 Pals and they created the entire software by themselves and then they help you like manage and customize it your, to your liking. And so like now my like range is like 87 to 88. Oh my that's gosh. Like, that's literally what it's trying to keep me into. Whoa. <laughs> that's awesome. That's yeah, so awesome. So tide pool loop. So other mm. people refer to it as looping. Um Tide pool loop is going through FDA approval, I believe, but you can only use it right now with like they've figured out how to hack the Omnipod system and then the old Medtronic pumps. I don't know if people are still doing that, but for a while it was like the super old Medtronic pumps that people were trying to buy from each other just so that they could loop. Oh, okay. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of because I feel like I saw something, the tide pool loop got approved maybe like six months ago or something, but I don't know. I don't read into that stuff just because I'm happy on the you know Omnipod 5 (laughs) yes yes it did get some sort of approval I think to go to like next stages or something so hopefully we'll see more of it soon so 
we got an interesting DM today that, yeah, I think we're going to kind of ask Jules her take on it. (laughs) Yeah, we are going to. So the whole episode is going to be us kind of like asking you, Jules, various questions because it's such a unique perspective to have a teenager's take on it as you're living with it, especially like being diagnosed as a almost teenager and then you're entering your teenage years, this is going to be such valuable information for everyone who listens. So again, thank you. But we're going to start off with a DM, someone from the community who's struggling with her teenager. And so um, I'm going to keep this person anonymous and I'm not even going to read it word for word, but essentially she's saying, I have a teenage son. I'm starting to feel like food police. It's hard to know when to help him and how to guide him to treat lows and highs and not knowing what to dose for. Like, I'm assuming she means maybe he doesn't know what to dose for or he just eats and doesn't dose or something. And then um, she says, teen boys barely want to talk anyways. I want some insight or advice. So take it away. I know you're not a teen boy, but you are a teenager. (laughs) (laughs) I understand where the kid's coming from because like when I'm out with my friends, I don't always want to like bring out my phone to give insulin, especially when like we're going out to lunch after school or something. Or like even if I do, it's hard to know like how much I need a bolus for because like what if we walk to the restaurant, but the restaurant has like only greasy foods. So it's really hard to manage, especially when you're out in public and you're not with anyone who like is trained or knows what to do. But I would, and like, I know where the mom's coming from too, because my mom tells me all the time, like, you got to take it into consideration. Like, you can't just like have high blood sugars and then like overcorrect and go low. So it's really just like moderation, I guess. Like, Mm -hmm. if I know that I'm going out with my friends that day, maybe I'll eat like a little bit of a less carb lunch. And even if it's like last minute, I just got to be prepared to like have to like, like pull one of my friends aside and be like, do you want to go for a walk with me real quick or something like that? And it's not always easy, but it's definitely something I've had to like learn how to do. So you, you started that off by saying that you don't always want to take your pump out when you're out with your friends. Yeah. Can you, can you speak to that more? Is it just one of those things where you don't feel like being different? You don't want to answer the questions? What is it? My friends know what my pump is and like how to like handle situations like that. It's more just like the hassle of like taking something out and then like looking up the carbs for something and like then like figuring out like how much I need a bowl is for it. Cause like, again, like greasy foods are more for me. Like I need more insulin. So like it's just kind of a hassle to figure all that out while in public and like trying to hold a conversation or something. And like a lot of my friends are really good about it, like giving me my time, but sometimes it just gets annoying on my end. Like, no, I want to keep talking, but like I can right now. Yeah. Okay. Okay. The, oh, I have so many questions. This is going to be the That's best. so good. Yeah. <laughs> I have so many questions <laughs> as a mom um, because I can already just like feel this. So I personally, Hattie, my four-year-old, has she's approaching her two years with it. And at this point, I kind of feel like I operate on 
autopilot with my decision making for foods. Do you feel like you're there yet or no? Because as you're saying all that, I feel like I would just take out the pump even if another mom friend was talking to me and just like throw something in and put out the fire later if that needed to be, you know, addressed. So I used to do that, but then I wouldn't realize that I was having these crazy spikes to like 250, 300 and then coming back down because the pump was correcting me. And then it wasn't in fact until like my mom said something to me like, Jules, you've been having these crazy spikes. Like what's happening that I realized like I had just been running on autopilot because like once high school started, I started going out more with my friends after school and stuff. Like I would just guesstimate, I guess. And it just kind of became this entire like, and then I wouldn't feel good for the rest of the day. And it was just like, I was like, oh, why don't I feel good? Because I wouldn't even realize that I was high. Hmm. Okay. That makes sense. So can you talk a little bit about how your relationship to diabetes has changed over the years? Like, do you feel like at times you've been more able to embrace it, more okay with it, I guess, and other times maybe a little more burnt out? Yeah, definitely. So when I was first diagnosed, I was really into the community. I just wanted to meet everyone, wanted every opportunity there was with diabetes. And then it was like towards the beginning of like, or towards the end of seventh grade, that was about a year into my diagnosis, I was just burnt out. Like I didn't want to deal with anything. I didn't really want people to know. I like wanted to like make sure I felt normal. I wanted to eat everything I wanted to eat. I wanted to like go out with my friends and just like not have to worry about it. But then it got in the way of my physical health. And like when I wasn't feeling good, it would affect like my grades. And then like I'd be disappointed in myself for not getting good grades because I didn't feel good. And then it affected my mental health even more than it was already. So it just kind of felt like a spiral, honestly. First of all, thank you for being so open about all of this. Like I know everyone listening is going to appreciate it so much. With all of those emotions and burnout that you experienced, was there anything that really helped? Like what do you do when you feel that way? Well, having like some really supportive friends definitely helped. Like type one and not. Like if you just like have people that you know you can go to, And like, just like talk about it, even if you like want advice or you don't want advice can be really helpful. And so like people in the T1D community were really helpful for that. Like I went to type one camp over the summer. I've gone like every year, but like having those friends to reach out to were helpful on those days, but also having friends to like relate to like other, like, I guess, normal things like failing a school project was like also helpful. Like that equal balance of like struggling with diabetes and without diabetes. Do you find that your friends that you're close with that don't have diabetes, is it, do you go to them with your diabetes struggles too? Or do you just prefer to kind of keep diabetes with diabetes people? There are like a few friends who like, like, I know this is going to sound so weird, but like when people are like, oh, my grandma has diabetes, (laughs) I have a few people who say that to me, but like, they knew it was type one diabetes. Like my friend who lives up the street, his mom has type one diabetes. So he knows like, oh, your blood sugar is low, you need candy. So he's really good about like helping me with that. And so he can relate more to it, but I don't always go to them for diabetes stuff. Sometimes I'll go for them for normal stuff. 
And like, I'll just be like, oh, and like, this is like diabetes is making it worse. And they could be like, oh yeah, that sounds like they like can empathize with me. Okay. Would you recommend to other teenage type ones to at least open up to some of their non-diabetic friends about diabetes and what they're going through, even if it's just like one or two friends? Oh, definitely. You've done that, right? I definitely have. And it helps so much because I didn't want to open up to anyone about it in the beginning who like wasn't diabetic because it was just like, oh, I didn't want to like make them feel what I was feeling. But then I realized like, oh, like if they actually like are my real friend, then they'll like be supportive of like what I'm going through and like even give me a viewpoint that's like outside of like what I've been taught by doctors and stuff. Yeah, I love that. Oh my gosh. Okay. Are we ready to move on to the next question, Raquel? I think there's so many thoughts. I know. It's, I just like I you did. answer it so maturely. Yes, you do. Um, okay. Can you share about ways you've been involved in the type one community? I know you mentioned summer camps. Anything else? So summer camp was a big one. That was like the first thing I really did with diabetes was just going to summer camp. Um, Raquel's organization um, was like one of the first like times I've met someone like who was like diabetic and like I was able to like talk to people about it I guess actually Raquel one of your events I met a little girl and we still talk all the time like she's like five I think you might know who I'm talking about Um, and we call all the time when she has like sight problems and like she doesn't want to do it so then we'll change our pumps together oh wow well we we got to have one of our events at Jules' house, which was so kind of them to let us host. This was before Amanda and I started doing type one together together. But um it was so special and that makes me so happy. And like you always have been such a role model for all the younger kids at all of the events, which was always really cool to see. So I love it. Thank you. Yeah. Anything yeah. else that I, I guess you go to the JDRF things, right? Oh, I'm a JDRF ambassador. <gasps> nice. Wow. It's um you don't really like need to have any like qualifications for it. You just kind of sign up, but then you get to like go to a bunch of JDRF events and like kind of like show people around, help set up, help clean up. And then like you also get to like see all the like talks or like all the like stands and stuff that are set up and stuff. It's just so awesome to be there. That's so yeah. cool. I want to give a shout out also to the camp that um... – is close to us camp conrad mm-hmm. um because they have a lot of different forms of camp i believe they have like a teen camp and um of course like normal kids camp over the summer but they also have family camps where you can actually go if you have younger kids who aren't comfortable going on their own or you don't want to send them off on their own and you can just be there as a family for the weekend and do all the things together or well there's also times where you know the kids go one way and the parents have their own little talks but you know everyone's in the same area which is so nice so i think they also have a mom's retreat they do yes yeah Good point. but teen um, camp is so special to me i love teen camp there tell us about it if you're a teen with type 1 diabetes you need to go to teen camp at camp conrad because they it's basically normal summer camp except like you're in a cabin with a bunch of kids your age who all know what it's like and like there's just something about the community there. Like everyone just like comes together and we all like 
have these like we can all share experiences of like highs and lows together and it's just really it's a really fun time i'm getting so emotional (laughs) (laughs) we love you jules so Uh, much i just um (laughs) it is very i don't know i i'm feeling so many emotions as like a parent with my very young child's entire life ahead of her. And yeah, I don't know. I, so many, this has happened so many times on the podcast where I talk to someone (laughs) older and then I start crying because I can, I'm just imagining Hattie in like that exact experience. Mm -hmm. Um, The idea of like Hattie having so many people surrounding her that have that go through exactly what she goes through like as especially as a teenager I just I don't know okay How do you believe <laughs> um I know recently Jules you went on a school trip and I don't know all the details I'm excited to hear about it but I believe you didn't have a ton of like other diabetes help there so can you just share about the whole experience and how that all went yeah um Well, to start off, it was really special that I could even go because at my old school, which was a public school, they didn't have all the resources for me that I was able to go to the special like outdoor education camps. Mm -hmm. So the fact that I could even go was really special for me. Like not only like did they say I could go, but they actually really wanted me to go because like just to like have that experience. And like the way that they prepped for it, like they made sure that I had a teacher that I trusted, even though it was only a week into school, like that I could like go to if I was having a low blood sugar. And like he held my stuff the entire time and like always would sit down with me if I had low blood sugar and like just made sure that I was safe while still being like, yeah, go, go do that. You can do it. I know you can. Like Hmm. we got you. And like that was really nice and helpful. And, like, I was a little scared at first because, like, I was two hours away from home in the mountains. Like, I barely had signal up there. Like, I was testing every 20 minutes. And, like, I still enjoyed myself. And it was still one of the best experiences ever. That is so cool. Okay. Yeah. That that leads perfectly into the next question, which is, did you run into challenges? So, there was a loss of service. You tested. You chose to test yourself. Was that was that fueled by your inner monologue? Like, was that your person being like, I want to know my blood sugar right now? Or was there any part of you that was like, I have to do this because if something bad happens, my mom's going to be freaking pissed at me. (laughs) It probably was a mixture of both. Like, um, there was that part of me that was like, I want to go do this. I don't have a signal right now. And I know that if I don't do this, something could happen. Like, and I'm glad I did because there was this one time we were going to go into a cave and I knew I was going to lose signal and I already didn't have signal. And I was like, we've been hiking for an hour and I haven't had signal in an hour. So I tested my blood sugar and I'm so glad that I did because I was low. So I ended up needing to sit down and take a juice box. And like, it was so nice because like two other kids weren't able to go into the cave either. So they sat down with me and we played cards. And it was actually a really special moment because now we're like in the yearbook as the card crew. Oh, <laughs> so and these two other kids and me are just like the card crew, and it's so funny to me. But yeah, that was 
like I just remember being like, oh my God, I'm so glad I like trusted myself and I knew how to handle a situation like that. Okay. So there is a part of you that is like, I would way rather sit something out than risk passing out from a low blood sugar. 100%. So that that is more because I'm so nervous in Hattie's teenage years that there's going to be an element of rebellion that's like, fuck it. I don't care. I definitely have had those moments, especially when it involves like food or hang out with my friends locally. When I know like if something happens, like it's just, it will take like 10 minutes for my mom to get to me or for like, like we were in the mountains and I knew like if something did happen, it would be 10 times worse if it had, and like, unless it had been like locally. So there's definitely that aspect of like just knowing it could be worse up here. But then it was also like I've had moments in Hermosa Beach um, where I've been like, oh, like I don't want to do that right now. I'm not going to do it. Like leaving like all my supplies at home to go down to like the beach with my friends and just like realizing like, oh, I'm low. I don't have anything on me. Okay. Okay. So you were wearing a Dexcom on the trip, but you chose to test just to clarify, right? Okay. Yeah. Do you find that it's not accurate a lot of the time? And like, can you feel your lows and highs pretty well now? I That's one thing I'm very grateful for that I have is just knowing when I'm low. Not so much when I'm high, but knowing when I'm low is a big thing for me because like there's just so many like signs that I've like figured out in my body just like knowing like, oh, this I'm low, mm-hmm. which has been really helpful, especially at like school when like I'm not always on my phone, just knowing like, oh, I need something right now. But what yeah, about when you're just, sleeping? Do you wake yourself up? There was actually a moment last night that you bring this up where my mom's alarms were off because she had a party that night and um, she didn't like, and it was more of an event for charity and she didn't want the alarms interrupting anything. So my dad was with me all night, but then I went to sleep and I randomly went low, like super loud. I was thinking I was like 50 and um, luckily I woke up to my alarm and then I like, I didn't even check. I just knew I was low. And I literally just took a bunch of Sour Patch Kids, tossed them in my mouth, and just like, <laughs> sat there for a few minutes until I felt better. And then I rolled over to sleep again. Oh, my god! I have done that so many times where I don't even look. I'm just like, I can feel I'm low. I'm just going to eat something. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not alone in that one. <laughs> um, That's helpful to know. I will say that's interesting that you brought that up and it just made me realize that there are certain lows where I'll wake up Patty now in the middle of the night because she doesn't wake up on her own, obviously. But there are certain lows where she sits straight up and is her eyes are still closed and she is blindly grabbing for gummies or a juice box. I had a friend tell me that when she's low at home, if she hears her mom come into her room, she'll sit up and just start like puckering her lips like she's trying to get a juice box job. Yes. And I'm yes. like, that's amazing. Yes. Like, you know what's happening. Exactly. So I'm curious if like she, I wonder if that is her basically, you know, feeling the low and wanting something. Yeah. I like bet. I it almost wasn't real because when I woke up, like I couldn't find it on my charts just because, like, I don't know. I was, like, set to, like, the one-hour thing, and it had been at, like, 2 a.m. And so, like, I thought I, like, dreamed it until my mom brought it up, and I was like, oh, my God, like, I actually did that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's awesome. 
Okay, I have like three more questions really fast. Um, so many things are popping up in my brain. So about the trip. One, so you said that you like felt so lucky to be able to go and everything. At your old school, were you not able to go on school trips because of diabetes? Yeah, that was the main reason. There's another diabetic in my class and both of us weren't allowed to go because they just didn't have the resources. Like it was a public school and like it wasn't where we live in a very like like privileged area. So the school doesn't get a lot of funding because like no one at our school needs like the free meals at lunch and stuff. We just still have it provided. And so because we're not funded, like the money that we do get has to go to like stuff that the school needs. And I think their like last priority is like for the kids with like invisible illnesses or whatever. So diabetes is not on their top priority list. Like at school, like one thing that always like was on my mind was like, oh, I'm probably not being watched right now because there were four of us at the campus, which is Mm -hmm. crazy because we were a very small school. And it was like, we weren't always being watched. We had to basically be independent if we wanted to like go to the school. And so just going on the trip was like not even in the question. So they just said no. So everyone else went and you just weren't able to go on trips. Yeah. That was basically it. That's insane. I'm so sorry. That's awful. That's complete. So yeah. like they wouldn't. Wow. Even let like <laughs> someone else go with you. I, I was just like that they can't didn't, be real. They didn't have a nurse on the trip or anything. Wow. Okay. So on this trip, you got to go. What mm-hmm. was that conversation like with your mom? And did you like communicate with her while you were there? Whenever you did have signal, or like how did you set up rules and boundaries? I guess. I didn't have any communication with my mom whatsoever. And I think that had to do with her part because she, sorry, um, she wanted me to have that freedom to like go off on a trip somewhere and like just like be able to trust me. So she didn't, we didn't have any communication the entire time. And that was like really nice. But beforehand, we did contemplate going back and forth like, how much do I need to bolus? Like, do we need to change my basil? Like, how much do we need to pack? And it was just all these questions. And we even contemplated not even going on the trip just for our own reasons, like not knowing if I was like ready or like what could happen. But I'm so glad that I ended up going in the end. It's so awesome. Yay. So you would recommend to other parents to <laughs> let their teenagers go. Because it was such a learning experience because I hadn't been away on a trip like that without another diabetic with me like since diagnosis and it was just such a learning experience because I learned so much more about my body and like what I need and like I actually like I felt like I took initiative and like felt like less likely to do like rebellious things I guess like I felt more in charge of myself so I felt more of a need to like actually take the time to do all the steps that you're taught and stuff you are making me realize that like that's why when I went to college, everything started shifting and I actually got my A1C down and I started caring because I I think I didn't feel like I had to care as much until I was on my own. But even those little moments of being on your own at your age in high school, I think are so valuable because it forces you to like have to take ownership of everything happening. And also, Michelle, we love you. We're going to have Michelle, Jules' mom on the podcast soon to talk about her side of the experience. And I know that that was not easy for her. but clearly it was like such an amazing thing overall so it definitely benefited because like now when I'm out in public I feel like 
I'm more responsible with my stuff. Like I know what I'm doing and like I can be a little less careless than I was up there, but I still know like, yeah, I got this. Yeah. I mean, this is this is human nature. If you are left to your own devices, you figure out a way, but you get comfortable and complacent with the the help, the background, the the safety net. It's natural. It's a natural human response when you know there's a safety net to become complacent. And so I'm specifically pointing this out to all of my fellow type one parents that sometimes we got to let go a little bit every once in a while, not all the time, not for everything, but yeah, it's, this is how they're going to learn. It's amazing. This that is such a great conversation. The thing with my mom was like, when, when should she let me go off on my own and like figure it out? And when should she like be like, hold up, bring it back a little bit. We got to obviously fix something. Cause like a lot of the thing is like, I do run on autopilot 99% of the time. So I don't realize when I'm having those crazy highs and lows, like I said earlier. So like, she's really good about just like bringing me back and just being like, we got to fix something. Cause clearly something's not working anymore. Like it was before. Yeah. So can you expand on like your general relationship with your parents and diabetes and like how do you manage that on a day-to-day basis? It sounds like now you're more on the independent side and your mom will kind of nudge you when maybe things need to be adjusted. But I even remember whenever I would babysit you pretty early on, like maybe not the first couple of times, but a little bit later, you would start to say like, like I'd be like, oh, you need to give 30 carbs for this or like this many units. And you'd be like, uh, I think I need a little more. Like you were always pushing back and telling me what you yeah, needed. I, and yeah, I trusted you. I very bold with insulin very early because I just realized I need more to just like function day to day. And my relationship with my parents and diabetes was unique because it was definitely very like I was very scared to like be on my own ever. Like I almost didn't. So when I was diagnosed, I was diagnosed at the end of sixth grade. And so we had the entire summer to figure out diabetes. And it was definitely a summer I won't forget. But I remember I was still on MDI when I went back to school, which we didn't want to happen. We wanted to be on a pump by then, but it just didn't work out. Um, so I ended up being on shots and I could give shots on my own. I just wasn't independent and we didn't have a nurse to watch over me. And I wasn't great at double checking. I just want to get it done with. I was very impatient. So my mom would have to come to the school and give my me my shots through the gates. Like she would stand on one side of the gate. I would stand on the other and she would just inject me through the gate, which was very annoying at some moments. But I definitely appreciate that from her. But like then we definitely like as I got like older and more independent and she would try to help, I would get annoyed annoyed sorry because I didn't want her help I just wanted to like do it myself and be done with it like I didn't want to think about it too much which definitely like made me annoyed with her because I felt like we were just constantly like fighting about stuff that we had to deal with and like it was almost all diabetes and it just became like very tiring but like I always knew like she would always be there for me if I actually needed something or if something went wrong which is always nice to think about so what is there anything that you said or wish you said to really get your point across to your mom like 
in the the way I'm thinking about this is if Hattie's a teenager and she's so sick of my shit, I hope that she can say to me, Mom, I love you. I know you care. I know you're worried. You're being so overbearing. It's driving me crazy. I need you to back off. That is how I envision her communicating with me because that's what I'm going to need to go, you're right. I'm backing off and like, I'm here if you need me and you know, whatever, based on the situation, I might be like, if, if you're super out of range, we are going to have to have a conversation again at some point just for your own health or whatever. But can you speak to that? Have you had a conversation like that with your mom? What do you say to your mom? Yeah, we've definitely had conversations like that in the past. And most of the conversations we get into are because like she's worried because I'm not taking care of myself like how I used to and like clearly something's off. But sometimes it's just because like it's been a long week or like hormones are off. And I just like there have been times where I've been like, mom, I got this. I know what I'm doing. I know it doesn't look like that based on the graphs, but I'm doing what I'm supposed to. It's just been a really off week and I need you to trust that I will fix this on my own. And then there are some times where I'm like, after definitely some pushback, I'm like, yeah, you're right. Something's wrong. We got to fix it. So it kind of goes both ways. We're like, we just kind of like got to like agree where she needs to back off or when I need to go to help from her. Yeah. Okay. So are you asking her questions throughout the day still or is she texting you or how do you manage at school? I'm completely independent at school. Like I don't communicate with her at all while I'm there unless I go below like 50 maybe. Like other than that, I'm like by myself, like with my friends, just doing, eating what I want, doing what I want. Like even after school, like we are in like an area for school where like there's restaurants everywhere. So like we'll walk after school to go get food and even then I won't communicate with her. It'll only be like, in a really bad emergency that I'll like t- like text her or something or she'll she'll usually text me first but yeah does she ever text you like if you've been high for too long does she nag like highs have been a difficult thing with us since starting freshman year because like our chefs we have we have like chefs at our school and they're really good cooks but like a lot of the foods they make are really high in carbs and I don't always know how to bolus for them because I don't really know what's in them. So I usually have these really big spikes and then these really big drops. And it's mostly because I'm not pre-bolusing because it's really hard because we only have like 40 minutes for break. And like I don't want to spend 20 minutes pre-bolusing and I it's kind of hard to bolus in class. So like it can be difficult and I've had a lot of highs recently and I think most of those are pre-bolusing, but yeah. She okay. usually like lets me figure it out while I'm at school and then she'll talk to me when I come back home and she'll be like, hey, what was this about? Like, is there something we need to figure out for next time? Does that irritate you? Because as you're explaining this, again, I'm pretending that Hattie is you explaining this to someone else in the future. And all I want to know is like, how annoying is that? Like, I refuse to... I'm so, this is going to sound bad, I guess, to the listeners, but I am very concerned about her being so annoyed with me 
that like she just shuts down completely for four straight years through like her teenage years, you know, and then she just like is not receptive to anything. That was, yeah, there's a lot. Hold on. Um, I guess it's more like sometimes, especially after I've had days that are super high, I'm not really receptive to feedback. And sometimes I just have to say to my mom, like, mom, I really don't want to listen to you right now. That's the last thing I want to do right now. And most of the time she's pretty good about backing off and just being like, yeah, okay. Sometimes she's not. But like most of the time, it's pretty. We're, she's pretty good about just being like, "Yeah, have your space." But it can get kind of annoying, and sometimes I just want to like scream because like I'm not really annoyed with her. I'm annoyed that I'm not feeling good, and I have to deal with this. And on top of that, I still have school. I still have dance. I still want to talk to my friends, and I still need to like fix what's going on in the moment. And it can just be a lot on top of it. Usually I don't shut down, but usually I do need a little bit of space after days like that. Like I'll usually go into my room and just chill for a little bit after that. What would really had burnouts where like I just don't want to talk to anyone. I don't want to like be at home. I just want to be with my friends and I don't want to think about diabetes. And usually like after a few months when like my well, I'll like realize like, oh God, I really need to get my levels in check. Like just like through like, I don't know, like I'll just have this light bulb moment where I'm like, I really need to fix something here. And it usually just comes naturally. And then after that, I'm like smooth sailing for a while. What would be your ideal reaction from your parents after a really hard diabetes day. So say all day long you attempted to dose or you just didn't or diabetes is just not going. It's one of those incredibly frustrating days. You come home from school or dance or whatever. You walk in to your house. What is the picture perfect scenario that your parents can do for you in that moment? Um, My, my first reaction was to say, buy me fried chicken. <laughs> 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 that's because Amazing. that's usually what I want after a crazy day like that <laughs> um but like honestly it would just be like to give me space and then talk about it maybe that weekend when like I don't have any plans or I'm not busy like sometime maybe in the morning when I'm like less tired and more like energized and not when I'm just about to leave for like a friend's house or something like maybe like let it like wait out for a few minutes and just like let me do my own thing before and like find a perfect time to like talk about it. Okay. If you came home to me and I was your mom and I saw, um, this is like free, free therapy, Jules. Thank you. Um, <laughs> if you came home to me, I'm your mom. And I saw you spike to like 300, 350, like four times. And you're just all over the place. And I'm thinking to myself, I know you're struggling at school with figuring out how to bowl is for food. So in my head, I'm thinking, hey, I just want to have a conversation to see what the food was. And do you want to have a back and forth discussion? about what it was, what what you attempted to do, and do you want to like brainstorm about what you could try next time you have that food? I think that's 
basically how I would say it, but I would just say like, hey, I noticed you were going really high. I know it's really tough to figure out how to bolus. Are you in the headspace to talk about it? Do you even want to talk about it? Like, do you need help brainstorming? Would that be an appropriate response or literally keep my trap shut until the next <laughs> morning? Honestly, the second one, but like not okay. even that is just like, like just kind of like talk about, you can like, like not even bring up diabetes, just talk about like, oh, how was your day? Like, who would you sit with? Like the normal conversation. And then maybe like a time when like, I'm not like super tired. I don't have something to get to that I'm rushing to. Like, just like, you know, those moments where like, you're not really doing anything. You're just kind of like sitting there. And then like, like those are the times where like, it's like the perfect moment to talk about that stuff. Like that's when I would bring it up and just like leave. Cause like usually after school, especially after a hard day, I'm like, I don't want to talk to anyone. I want to go to my room and I want to sleep. So talking about diabetes is like the last thing I want to do. So it's kind of finding that like perfect moment to just talk about it. Yeah. So even if, sorry, Raquel, even if it's a, a very gentle, very like, we don't have to talk about it. Just like even mentioning it when you're already on edge is still a no. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm writing down all these notes. <laughs> I'll check back in 10 years, let you know how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you gave such a golden tip there, Jules. Like, and we talk about this, but I think we or parents forget it, honestly. Like, you have to talk about normal stuff. Don't make the first thing that you ask about diabetes. That feels horrible. I can say that as someone who grew up with it too. Like, you get home or whatever. I mean, even now, like, I don't want to talk to Kevin just about diabetes like I want him to ask about my day not that he's checking in on my diabetes but that was just an example that came to mind but yeah you gotta like make sure they're a kid first not a person living with diabetes first yeah yeah that's definitely that's so when I first started school I didn't tell anyone I had diabetes in the beginning because I wanted to get them to know me rather than get to know my diabetes and it's like the same thing like I want people to see me before they see my diabetes and sometimes I don't want them to see my diabetes at all I just want them to like know like she has something that she needs like extra support with so yeah like definitely after school like the first thing being like oh like what'd you do in school today rather than oh can we talk about what happened during lunch and your blood sugars Mm -hmm. picture perfect advice (laughs) yeah (laughs) for real seriously so Let's talk about pumps. I know you've been on a lot of pumps. I feel like you've been on almost all the pumps now. Um, three. three. Three? Yeah. And I've always loved that. Like, I know your mom has been really respectful of your decisions and what pumps that you wanted to be on, if you want to take a pump break. Um, can you kind of walk us through, like, the different pumps you've been on and like or, like, why you've switched so many times, maybe, and then how you're really feeling about looping now? All right. So... The first pump I was on was the Tandem T-Slim, and it was a great pump. I I don't know if you remember in the beginning, Raquel, but I was obsessed with the T-Slim. Oh, yeah. Like, I would, like, wear it on my hip, and I was, like, so proud of it. I felt so cool with it on, and I still do when I look at it. I'm like, oh, my God, that's so cool. <laughs> it's a pretty <laughs> pump. It I, like, really is. I about it. Um, and um, it was, like, really funny. But then I started getting back into, like, sports and school and wanting to hang out with friends and it was just like getting in the way like it 
And it didn't make it better when you're like already mad at diabetes and it gets caught on that doorknob and you're just like, wow, thanks for rubbing it in. And so it was kind of just like a lot. And going into high school, I just like didn't want anything like completely visible. I wanted something that was like more discreet and like kind of like not so much of a hassle to just always have on you. And so then I was like, let's try Omnipod. So I asked my endocrinologist and she was like, yeah, cool. We'll have it there in a week. And I was like, okay, awesome. And um, it was there in a week and we put it on and it was so sweet putting it on for the first time because a bunch of the T1s who are on Omnipod came over to my house and helped me figure out how to do it. But then my blood sugars were just like up and down all the time and it was so annoying and like even after like the four weeks you know like they're always like oh give it four weeks before you change anything because it's a new pump it just wasn't nothing was working and we just couldn't figure out what it was and then my mom had to start her t1d pals or t1 pals and she was like do you think you can do this for us and they're like yeah of course and we switched over to looping and like we talked about in the beginning, it's a system that is connected to your phone and the Dexcom. And it just is like, it gives you corrections. You can have your ratio, whatever you want, your basal settings, whatever you want. You can have like different modes, like exercise mode, like crazy day mode, like sick mode, period mode. And Mm -hmm. it was just like, I was like, wow, this is amazing. And like my target range now is 87 to 88 like I said earlier which is insane to me like to think about sometimes the only thing is that you have to go you can't use dash on it you have to use omnipod or yeah you have to use omnipod 5 or is it opposite I think it's opposite opposite yeah you can't use the latest one you have to use the one before it okay is it working like in keeping you, I'm guessing not between 87 and 88, but uh, 87 and 88, that's just kind of like a mode to like make sure I'm lower. And mm-hmm. it's definitely helped a lot. Like I definitely have to think about it less. And it's really nice not to have like to carry around two devices or like have some like a wire attached to you. Mm-hmm. It's been really helpful. It's been really cool to be on. So you bolus from your phone. Yeah, it's really cool. I can show you guys if you want. Like, yeah, yeah, the app is. That's really what it looks cool. like, and it it's super cool. So, the top graph, the dotted one, the dots, the like, can you see it? Like the dark blue dots are what my blood sugar has been the past hour, and the little blue line is what it predicts it will be in the next hour. Wow, so cool. that's awesome! The technology is getting so much better. It's crazy. Yeah. And so, yes. have you? Oh, sorry, keep going. <clears throat> I was going to ask about pump breaks. Have you taken any? I've definitely taken a few. It was mostly on T-Slim. Like, especially like, it was so weird. Whenever a holiday was happening, I did not want to be on my pump. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's like a thing that happens to a lot of people. But like, around the holidays, like, I just noticed like, I was around more people and I would get more self-conscious about being on my like people seeing my pump just because it was like so many more people at once and a lot of them didn't know what it was like it was the first time I had seen them so like it was like Thanksgiving did not want to be on my pump and like it was like the worst week of my life like it was just highs lows highs lows and I just felt terrible and it 
definitely wasn't worth it. But of course, like as soon as Christmas rolled around, I was like, I don't want to be on the pump anymore again. And there's been times where I didn't even want to be on Dexcom either, just because I just like didn't want people to see it. And we were around so many people because of the holidays. Do you like, so did your brain not go to like having it on your stomach or your thigh? Like you just didn't want to do that? Well, when I've taken my pump breaks, it was always on T-Slim. So even if it was on my stomach or my thigh, you could still see the wire or something. So it was just kind of hard to like be discreet about it. Okay. But you have not taken a pump break since being on the Omnipod? I haven't, no. Okay. And do you think that part of that is because there is – so much like possibility for keeping it discreet definitely like the omnipod is loud um, yeah like, <laughs> like my parents are always like what's that is that your pod clicking it's so but like it's definitely more discreet because like I think yeah it's on my arm right now like it's pretty tiny like, it's not that big. So, like, I can wear it on my stomach. I can put it on my thigh if I, like, don't want people to see it. I can also just, like, embrace it and just put it wherever I want. But on days where I'm feeling more self-conscious about it, I can be like, yeah, you're going on my stomach today. Yeah. Have you ever, um, like, covered it with your hand or with a blanket or anything? Because it muffles the sound a decent amount. Definitely when it's, like, screaming in the middle of the night. Like, yeah. have you ever had <laughs> in the middle of the night I've definitely just been like no just go stop for two minutes I'm yes asleep. yes um so that's been a time but like yeah like especially like at school like I keep it on my stomach more because like your jeans like I wear jeans a lot to school so like the jeans muffle it a lot or like yeah sometimes I'll just like cover it real quick but like it's not that much of like a noise where people get distracted by it so it's pretty have since we're on this topic one thing i've thought about is like if she is pre-bolusing or if she has a super sudden low cuz you know how it beeps when you're under 55 and it beeps pretty loudly has that ever happened to you like when it's silent in the classroom like when it you're happened it happened today I'm, yeah, I'm not even joking. I was in my project class at school, which is like humanities uh, history. And um, it was reading time because we were just starting a new novel and it was dead silent in class. And all of a sudden I hear this like, ding, ding, ding. And I'm like, oh God. And everyone was like, who forgot to turn their phone off? Uh, and I'm like, I need to go get a banana. What do you do? <laughs> I there's this girl in my class who's like super sweet and she I go hey can you come with me real quick to go get one of my snacks and she goes yeah of course so we walked over and the cafeteria had just restocked the bananas and I was just like perfect so I grabbed a banana and she sat with me for like 10 minutes while we like what when this happens what do your teachers do like have you talked to all your teachers about diabetes and they know that if an alarm is going off like you can't get in trouble for that they have to let you go so the thing that i've no- like that's been really helpful is like in elementary and middle school like you have to get asked to go to the restroom and stuff but at high school you don't 
So that's been really good where like I'm like, oh, I'm feeling low. So I like will grab my phone and I'll just leave. And like the teachers don't question it. They like, because like one, they know like, oh, she needs her phone. If she's taking her phone, it's probably because she's low. So they'll give me a little bit more like of like wiggle room. Like they'll be like, she might not come back to class for a while. But like they also know like, oh, she's like, she might like have another medical emergency. Like they just kind of let you leave. And it's been really great. So, like, I've never had someone, like, stop me in the halls and be like, what are you doing out of class? Because, like, you can just leave whenever you want. What do they do when you're taking a test? Because all I can think about is my freaking strict Catholic school that I went to. And if they ever saw one of us have our phones out in the hallway when we're supposed to be taking a test, that's, like, immediate suspension. (laughs) So – That happened a lot when I was also at a private school for elementary. And it was like always like, oh, of course I'm going low in the middle of a test. And like, you're not allowed to have your phone out. I just kind of told it as it was. Like, there was this one time where a woman told me that a medical necessity was not a reason to make a phone call at school, that I need to go to the office if I wanted to call my mom. And it was. I literally was like, oh, my God, you're joking, right? And it was like I had just been diagnosed, too. So it just kind of was like, oh, you're joking, right? Like, I didn't know how to deal with that. And then going to public school, they're even stricter about it because, like, you know, public school kids, like, they're more likely to cheat or whatever. Um, (laughs) It's class sizes or something. (laughs) like there it's easier it's definitely easier to cheat at public school so I had a one with this one teacher Raquel do you remember me telling you about this my math teacher last year maybe tell me tell me my math teacher I was once like almost 300 in his class while taking a test and I pulled out my phone to check and I was like oh my god it says that I'm it I'm just high I test my blood sugar. I'm like basically 300, like right around that area. So I raise my hand. He comes over. I go, he goes, why were you having your phone out? And I was like, oh, medical emergency. I need to go to the nurse's office. And he goes, well, a medical emergency. I see it says hi. He goes, I don't think that's in your 504 plan for um, like stopping a test. So you're going to need to keep continuing. And I was like, no, I'm positive. It is in my 504. Like, please go back and check if you must, but I cannot continue. I need to go to the nurse's office and figure out what's wrong. He goes, um, no, takes my pencil, puts it back in my hand and like says like, you need to keep working. No. Like he was like, oh my God. Like he was one of the worst teachers I've ever had. And the way he dealed with people like needed adjustments and stuff was terrible and then that was like the first test of the year and after that I never took another test in his classroom I always made sure I was going to another room because I just didn't trust him to like know what to do in another situation so my mind is blown I don't even I don't even know what to say I'm like boiling with fury (laughs) Uh, I'm so sorry you had to deal with that it's always the math teachers too at public schools like I have another friend who's math. I'm, I have another friend whose math teacher was like, low blood sugar does not qualify as a, like health necessity or like he was like, oh you're faking low blood sugar to get out of this or something and I was like, God, oh my gosh, wow. The amount of times at that 
public school that like I've had people make comments about my diabetes is insane. I had a substitute once tell me or say to me like, oh, you can't eat in class. And when I explained to him that I needed to because I was diabetic, he goes, oh, you diabetics always eating. Oh, <gasps> no. <laughs> Raquel, I I don't even know what to say. Like, Jules, I am. I don't even know. I have no words. I'm furious for you. <laughs> Raquel, so, you. <laughs> I think that I was so nervous of having things said to me like that, that I would always make sure to tell new people. Like, I, I didn't like telling people. But, like, even when I just go into, like, a dance class that I had a sub or like a substitute teacher, or I was in a new class, or I was in a school class and I had a sub, like I would always just tell them because I was like, I don't want them to think I'm doing something wrong. Like I was so scared of that. I kind of love that you just went for it. But like that just shows those people's true colors. And but it's I don't always even know what to say. the older teachers or, or the older substitutes, like when I have a younger substitute, there's so much more like, oh, yeah, take your time. Of course, of course. But if it's, like, someone who's, like, older, for some reason, there's, like, so much stigma around it Mm -hmm. that they're, like, oh, you need to eat. Okay, I see. Or, like, they make some, like, snarky comment. Or, like, if they're, like – like, my teachers are very open-minded at my school, so they're really good about being, like, yeah, 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 take your time. Do whatever you need. Like, figure out your stuff. But, like, if it's an older teacher who, like, is very stuck in their ways, they don't really, like – care they just want you to do what they want you to do like even kids are better at accepting the fact that I need to do like special stuff than most teachers it's a very unfortunate reality and I feel like it's just one of those things if it's a sub you just have to like push through that day or however long they're with you definitely tell your parents like ask for help go to the school nurse explain the situation like, yeah. right, you've got to, like, seek help because at the end of the day, like, you you have to be able to treat your lows and correct your highs and be given a fair shot at mm-hmm. writing the essays or taking the tests. It's just there's no I mean, it's other right. way around it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I said before, that school was, like, really underfunded and, like, they just didn't have the money or the resources to like properly like meet my needs. And like, like some of the people were so closed minded, like it just wasn't like a great fit. Yeah. But the only other option was the private school with no nursing staff. So it was all we really had. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We have time for just a couple more quick questions. Um, one, I love your sister so much. Shout out to Elle. And um, I'm just kind of curious because I know she's always been so concerned about your diabetes and she's a younger sister, by the way, um, and wanting to help you and care for you and be involved in her own ways. And I'm kind of curious, like your take on just having a sister who's not living with diabetes and um, how you've like allowed her to be involved and how that has evolved over time. Yeah. So in the beginning, she was really scared for me. Like if I would have low blood sugar, she would start crying because she like didn't know what was happening. And she was also really young back then. Like I was 12, so she was like nine, I think. And like she, 
she was like rightfully scared and concerned. So it was kind of hard on her. And then she got like really into wanting to help find a cure because she like didn't know that there wasn't a cure Mm -hmm. at first. And then when she found out there wasn't one, she was like, oh no, that needs to change. And then she kind of mellowed out a bit and just realized like she's got this, but she's still like one of my number one supporters and still helps me whenever she can. Like she's really good about it. She's so sweet. So cute. I love that. Okay. Thank you for sharing. That's a big like challenging one is navigating the sibling thing, but you two are amazing sisters. One thing she did share though was like, she did get jealous because like I obviously need more attention at times because of Mm -hmm. that. And so she did say like, sometimes I do get jealous because like, it is hard that you have more attention than me now. And I was like, well, that's a very valid feeling. And I think that's like not something talked about a lot is like how it affects the siblings in the type one community. Like there's so much like parents invest so much time into like their type one kids. How does it affect the siblings? A thousand percent. And I love that y'all could talk about that in such an honest way and that you were so understanding of that too, because I think my sister experienced some of the same feelings. We were five years apart and I don't know. I don't think we ever really like talked about her feeling that way. And she's never straight up voiced that to me. So um, that's really cool. But you're right. We we need to talk about that more. Yeah. And just to validate it, I think the just simply saying exactly what you said to her, you're right. That's hard. I do get mm-hmm. more attention and there's not really a way around it. You know, leaving it at that sometimes is like all that needs to be said and done to then move forward and start healing a bit more. We all just want to be like seen and heard. Because it was definitely like a, my diagnosis was definitely probably the hardest on her if I'm being completely honest, because like she wasn't in the hospital room. She had no idea what was happening. The only communication we Mm -hmm. had was like a FaceTime call 20 minutes a day. So, like, while I was dealing with it, I at least knew what was happening. She knew nothing. So I do give her a lot of credit for that. Like, just, like, still being there while, like, her sister was in the hospital and, like, both her parents were there with her. And she had, like, no one, like, basically with her. I love this sweet relationship. It's not always like this. I'm (laughs) well aware of how sisters work. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, we do get along pretty well. And I do understand where she's coming from all the times. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, as we close, um, tips for parents. Any okay. tips? Yeah. <laughs> I know that was just kind of yeah. like, but, but. Like, specifically for helping, like, parents who want to help their type 1 kids so much, right? But also, they want to give them space and respect their individuality and all of that stuff. Like you kind of touched on this earlier, but what would you say to parents listening? Um, It's kind of just like navigating your relationship with them. Like you have to still act like they're your child, but you also have to like act like they are a person with diabetes and like managing that can kind of be hard. Cause like, I know sometimes me and my mom struggle like separating diabetes from like our personal relationship and like also like making sure it's still there and like we still take care of it. So honestly, it's just more of like a navigational skill and just like listening to what 
your kid once, but still being able to like, like just take care of them in any way, like mental health, physical health, like every way possible. And it is really hard on both sides. So like props to every type one mom and kid out there for like (laughs) figuring this out. But like, it is just about like, just figuring it out. Yeah. Open open communication. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. And putting your ego aside, I'll speak to parents Mm -hmm. from a parent putting that that ego aside and recognizing that even though our children I think feel so much like ours they are their own people um okay that was amazing advice Jules I have one last question if Hattie was standing in front of you right now as a 14-year-old or a 15-year-old, what would you say to her? This is my type one daughter. Well, I'd first be like, congratulations for making this this far because like that's what, she's two? So that's 12 years? She's four now, but she was two when she was diagnosed. That's 12 years. Like that's very impressive. And so like just kind of like be patient with your mom, I guess. Like just like, just as much as you're figuring it out, just she's figuring it out too. And also like, don't let diabetes affect every aspect of your life. Like still have your own time and your own personal needs that don't belong with diabetes, as well as making sure you take care of yourself. Like you have to figure out an equal balance to make sure that like you are happy. Like that's the most important part is just figuring out the balance. I love it. I'm going to save that sound bite forever and play it over and over for her when she's a teenager. (laughs) (laughs) Jules, I'm so proud of you. Like, I just want to make sure you know that. And I mean, I haven't really talked to you about diabetes in a while now. And it's just like so cool to see how your whole like just mindfulness around it has evolved so much. And yeah, I'm just happy to have you like in my little community. (laughs) The maturity um, is out of this world, Jules. You are a very, very special person. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on with us. Raquel, I'll, I'll let you wrap up. I wanted to ask Jules, do you still, I don't know if you still post on your diabetes Instagram account. Would you like people to say hi to you there? <laughs> of course, yeah. Okay. I don't post as much as I used to just because I've been really busy yeah. But, like, I definitely need to get back into that because I really enjoyed posting on that page. And what's your Instagram name on there? Um, at the Wonderful Journey of Jewels, but it's, like, O-N-E instead of, like, W-O-N. Yes, like, type one. Um, we will link that in the show notes. So you can go say hi to Jules and stay tuned for an episode in the new year sometime with Michelle, Jules' mom. And... Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. We can't thank you enough. And we will probably have to have you on for part two at some point to see how this continues to evolve over the high school and then eventually college years. Yes. <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you very soon. Thanks, good night, Jules. everyone. Or Bye. goodbye. I'm saying good night. It's late here. Bye. <laughs>